Hi, you're tuning in to the Thank You Enjoy podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Ethan. And this is our podcast where we talk about Asian and Asian American culture and media. We will also be sharing our analyses and personal thoughts on Asian American identity and diaspora. Hello, welcome to the season finale of Thank You Enjoy on Boba Liberalism. We have the whole team here, Allison and Casey. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Had a boba, so I'm fully prepared for this conversation. Yeah, did you you got the drink specifically for this episode? Oh yeah, definitely not for any other reason. That's dedication, yeah. I was telling Allison before we were recording that I'm running on four and a half hours of sleep roughly because I had a free milk tea last night and I ended up staying up to like three um, watching movies and TV shows because I couldn't go to sleep. So I feel like that's crazy how much caffeine is in that drink. Yeah, yeah I'm really it's, scared. It's yeah, I mean, black tea is just so strong. I love black tea and I love drinking it on my own. Um, but it's just a little ironic, isn't it? I'm supposed to be recording this episode on bobo liberalism and here I am cursed by, by milk tea and yeah, uh, making me dirty? sleep deprived. So <laughs> I'm, I'm all right though, I'm, I'm chilling. <laughs> but um, so I think it's been really interesting how we've seen this first season pan out and I really can't believe that we're at our season finale. It's insane to me. We made it. We, we made yeah. it. This is it. You know, I can't believe it. I'm so proud of us and what we were able to do from the beginning of September all the way through the holiday season. Now we were able to just get weekly content out there. And I think we had some really enlightening and fun conversations through this journey. And I just want to thank everyone right now before we even start this episode. Thank you everyone for listening and for giving us feedback and for just letting us know that you're tuning in. That means the world to us. And I want to thank also the guests that we had on our show that they actually added a lot of nuance and way more interesting topics than I think any of us could have provided. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun just having the guests on there. And as it turns out, our, our episodes with the guests had, were the most popular ones as well, which is really awesome. So do you want to dive in then with global liberalism? Yeah, let's, let's get it. Let's get this bread. Okay, so... Let's start with the definition. What is bobo liberalism or what are bobo liberals? I think we should just directly quote the person who came up with the de- oh, definition. Oh, who was the person who came up with it? Uh, it was a Twitter user at Diaspora is Red. From at Diaspora is Red, bobo liberalism is just another way of referring to, quote, Asian American liberalism, unquote. It doesn't mean anything or make judgments about boba or bubble tea itself. And then also the examples that they came up with, Bobo liberalism is thinking the university key club and API student associations will lead the way in fighting for the dignity of the Asian diaspora and securing real material benefits to their communities and rectifying the colonial crimes of the host country. And then there's like a bunch of other examples underneath, but kind of jargony in terms of right. political terms. But I had to add a little addendum to them uh i'm not i wouldn't completely agree with all the politics of this twitter account but i do think they have some good things to say sometimes such as this definition yeah like uh and these tweets were posted in spring 2019 i do like i like that it says all sugar no substance i think that's like a key yes key thing about bobo liberalism right yeah um the and from all the other definitions I was reading from the connotation as well for bobo liberalism is that it's not a good thing. It's typically used in a negative connotation, I think. 
to kind of describe the phenomenon of Asian American quote unquote activists who take on liberal stances, but it's like just as a means to kind of be in closer proximity to whiteness or westernization. And when it comes time to be called out for this, they still stand by their Asian identity and cling on to it, usually by saying, well, I'm Asian though, and I could speak for the Asian community. And look, I drink boba, for example. And that's how boba ended up becoming like the flagship name for this type of uh, liberal. And it was more like a criticism of like latching on to that Asian American identity in a very shallow way to kind of speak for the Asian American community while also having really bad takes. I feel like Thank You and Joy was kind of like an antithesis or like something to combat sort of like the idea of the boba liberal and how we should mm -hmm. not strive for that at all. And I wanted to say that this word seemed very familiar to us. And I was going to ask, what, what did you think of when you saw the word boba liberal and then something clicked with you? Like, what was it that you were thinking of right away? If you, like, and what were some real life experiences that you might've had with what you perceive as boba liberalism? I don't know if I saw the word and then it clicked, but I know that Ethan, we've talked about this several times where it seems like a lot of these like Asian, Asian American groups all do the same activities over and over again. And what like, I guess what kind of made me aware of this was I was at UCLA and I got handed a flyer and it was like some sort of Asian sorority or frat, some kind of club. And you have to like meet the current members and see if they, if they like you, if you like them, if you like what's the, you know, what the whole club is about. And I was like, this was like maybe like my second year at UCLA. And I was like, oh, like maybe I should like join an Asian club. Like I had Asian friends in high school, but when I was at UCLA for some reason, I just didn't have that many Asian friends. So I was like, oh, this is my chance to <laughs> be with the community. Um, and it was literally like, oh, Tuesday, we're all going to go meet up and get some boba. Thursday, we're all going to go get Korean barbecue. And I was like, <laughs> it, it was just kind of like, do we do anything else? Like, why? I don't know. Sometimes it, it feels like we're being pigeonholed into these activities. And it seems like people in the diaspora, like, willingly feed into that. Like, they're like, we're okay. We're okay being labeled as just like we just drink boba and eat Korean barbecue. And it's like, no, like there's more to us than just boba and Korean barbecue, right. guys. So that was like, I think that was my frustration um, in my experience mm -hmm. was that I felt that we were just being pigeonholed into these activities. <laughs> right, yeah, I had a similar experience. And in the last episode, we had kind of touched on this where in high school, there was an Asian American club that was really big like it filled an entire classroom I want to say there was like 20 to 30 people in one classroom maybe 40 just uh kind of stuffed into a classroom and they would always meet every like Tuesday or Wednesday during lunch and I just thought it was just so weird to be in that club because all they really did was just watch Asian YouTube on the smart board in the classroom and then afterwards they would just say like in the last five minutes of lunchtime, they don't have any time for anyone to talk with each other. They just say, oh, we're gonna do this bowling night or, oh yeah, we're gonna go over to this, uh, caf this Asian cafe and just get some food and hang out, I guess. And then it's just ironic because I was like, these guys don't seem to do anything. Like nothing about like talking about our Asian American identities or sharing our experiences or talking about food or trying to do something really cool about our culture. 
Um, and instead, they would just like just schedule meetups and not even have the opportunity for these for us to like hang out or get to know each other, which is so ironic to me. I think the thing that did infuriate me about the high school club, though, was that, you know, when, the, when club fairs would happen every once in a while at our school, there would be all the clubs lined up outside in the quad with their mm-hmm. tables selling stuff so they could raise money. And the Asian American club was there selling boba. And I was like, what are you raising money for? Like, you guys <laughs> just tell us to meet up on a Saturday. We have to pay ourselves to like go bowling or something like that. What are you guys like paying for? I have no idea what you guys do. Is this funding for like, dance lessons so you could perform at the school assembly and and like like b-boy dance or something like i don't even understand what they're raising money for. you gotta like, pay to b-boy dance I, for the school i just didn't get it it certainly wasn't going back to commu- the community you know yeah and it's just so weird to me and i think that was my first experience where i was i started realizing it was like yeah i i always saw myself an asian american but i was like how do these guys see themselves as Asian American? Like, what's their idea of being Asian American? Because obviously it's not the one I have about myself. Mm. And that's when I first felt that disparity. And it just kind of grew from there as I went through college where like I'd see subtle Asian traits or like Asian clubs at UCLA or Asian frats at UCLA where all they really cared about was the fact that you looked Asian. Totally. But a certain type of Asian. An East yeah. Asian, particularly, yeah. actually. They didn't give a shit about the South Asians or the Southeast Asians. They cared about but just even East like Asian. even a subset of East Asian, you had to look a very specific way. Yep. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Casey, did you have any uh, experiences with bobo liberalism, as we like to say it? And that's the thing. We just that's how we saw bobo liberalism. Uh personally, not really. I the one, I kind of had two forays into possibly being in an Asian-ish somewhat club student organization in college. One was I attended an, ori- I referenced this in the political episode, but I attended like the Chinese Student Association orientation meeting. It was right. like, clothing is not for me, so no thanks. Uh, and then <laughs> second one was I tried out for this comedy club that was originally founded by Asian Americans. LCC. Was this LCC? It is LCC. Okay, interesting. Uh, Fun fact, founded by Randall Park and Allison Wong was either founder or one of the members of it uh, in future future iterations. But in any case, it was specifically meant to be an Asian American theater group. Since then, it has expanded its membership to include anyone of any race which is I guess eh, there are multiple critiques you could have on that and multiple praises you could have on that Mm -hmm. but in any case regardless I didn't get in so I was so Mm. burned by that experience I decided to stay away from kind of Asian centric groups and like instead I joined like a pretty white student organization. UCLA Radio! (laughs) Which I I don't know if I want to like introspect more about it and just be like, is that me not wanting to be more in touch with my Asian Mm. peers and wanting to be accepted by the white peers and like Mm. wanting to be cool or something? I don't know. Like there's a lot of layers to that of like why I stayed away from Asian groups or boba liberal groups, but that's kind of my experience with that. Oh, okay. I never did wow. interact much with those boba liberal types of people. So 
You're yeah. making me question joining UCLA radio now. No, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel like this is a great segue into my question, um, which maybe will get the conversation started a little bit more, but we don't, we, us three do not identify as boba liberals. And I wonder if you guys ever feel left out of the communities and the diaspora because it does feel like an overwhelming percentage of the community do identify as boba liberals. And I asked this question because I felt, I mean, like I would joke at UCLA just being like, oh, haha, like I don't have any Asian friends. Obviously you two are Asian. So I, I'm obviously Thanks, wrong. Like, <laughs> it's obviously not a, a true fact, but you know, like there are songs about UCLA or it's like, UCLA, like you see Asians everywhere, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Childish Gambino. Yeah, Childish Gambino songs. And I was a North Campus geography major. There's already very few Asians in that major. And UCLA radio, as we've mentioned, is very white. And I was like, I was like, oh, like I really don't see that many Asians on campus. And the, the first time where I was in a class that was overwhelmingly Asian was the Chinese language, like Mandarin class. Like, of course it was all gonna be Asian. And I was also in the advanced track too. And <laughs> everyone, it seemed like all my classmates were biz econ or a South Campus major. And they all seemed to be like all in the same clubs, which is like a dance club, like ACA hip hop or some kind of like Asian business sorority. And like, you could just tell our vibes did not match. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like left out, alienated from the rest of the group. And I don't know if you guys have felt the same way. Casey's thinking, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I never was in that situation like you, Allison, because I do feel like that is such a special like like similar to you similar (laughs) to you like the major I was in I would say was not extremely full of Asian people specifically I did political science and I did I never took an Asian language class I think I I personally never did feel left out simply because the people I was surround surrounded with were not global liberals so I never felt the need to talk to them or hang out with them I don't know if that makes sense no yeah I I think I I think I know where you're getting at am I the only one who felt left out (laughs) but you just didn't feel you didn't really feel connected to them so you just didn't feel left out per se you just kind of found other people to kind of connect with is that what you're saying Casey or yeah, I mean, I just, I was never in a situation where I was in a room with boba liberals like that. <laughs> and I okay, guess if fair, I were to fair, imagine fair. that, it would be a very awkward situation because I don't know what I, like, what Allison is saying. Like, I don't know how I could relate to them besides just liking boba. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think know. similarly, I think I'm more along with Casey than Allison. Sorry, Allison. <laughs> In high school, I remember there was this one guy. Uh, his name was Jeremy. And he would always go up to me and be like, hey, they're Asian. Because he's Asian himself. <gasps> was he Asian? Okay. Yes, oh, like, was he Asian? <laughs> so it was, like, it was like he was trying to form some sort of kinship just because we both looked East Asian. And I don't even think he was Chinese. <laughs> we didn't, but you didn't like it? Like it rubbed you the wrong way or something? I think at the time I was socially awkward. So I appreciated any attention. 
and I was like <laughs> I love that <laughs> I sound so pathetic but like yeah I mean like yeah and I would just chat with them and then I would talk to him and then I just felt like are you only talking to me because I'm Asian that's like the thing the back of my head was just telling me that but I was like I gotta be nice to him because I gotta be polite and like he's talking to me in the first place I should be nice to him so and then I just reflect back on that and I think about how that guy was essentially a vocal liberal. Like he wanted to form kinship just because of the fact we we're Asian without actually talking about being Asian or talking about getting to know me as a person. And th- that was like, I didn't necessarily feel left out, but I did feel that disconnect where mm-hmm. I just couldn't connect with other people. And like, it was just so strange. Like I could, I could join his group and start getting to know his people but I just didn't want to because it wasn't because I felt left out by him. It was more so I put this internal barrier inside like myself to kind of just like, oh, I don't vibe with you. What am I going to talk about? And I was socially awkward. So I didn't know what to come up with to talk about. I couldn't do small talk that easily. So that was like my first experience in high school. And maybe that kind of set me on a track where I never necessarily felt left out because I kind of just avoided global liberals in the first place at UCLA. The, the first time I had a class full of Asians was for my Asian American psych class. And I'm just thinking about what type of Asian American in particular would be attracted to that type of class. It's someone who wants to talk about being Asian American, right? And I, with, with, some, with better nuance that I think I would find uh, more appreciable or more uh, personally gratifying for me just as, in terms of just connecting with other people. So I never really got that sense that I was kind of left out. And I think I was fortunate enough to kind of find these really specific niches and communities within UCLA and academia in general, where we were able to kind of critically think about our Asian American identity without resorting to saying, oh, we like Bobo all the time, right? Or, oh, you're Asian, I'm going to talk to you, right? It was easy to get into those communities. You could find them anywhere, but I just didn't go to them. The, re- the reason that I find them so interesting yet also so infuriating is that they try- they appeal to the broadest like idea of being Asian American where Boba is like the kind of like the pinnacle where it's like the- this overarching idea of just being Asian. And Allison, when you're talking about that club you're going to where they're just trying to go to Korean barbecue and stuff like that, it's like, it's like kind of like, oh, we eat at these Asian restaurants and then we call it a day. That's enough being Asian for today, right? That's like, <laughs> that's enough for the Checks, week, right? Checks or, my Asian identity yeah. off for the see, day. Did I do all the Asian things I needed to do this week? We're <laughs> in barbecue on Thursday, Bobo on Tuesday. Like, let's just make sure I cover all my bases. And that's what's so infuriating about it. And that's why we started the show in the first place was to be able to criticize that notion that Asian American identity is much more than claiming Asian heritage just because you drink boba or go to Korean barbecue every Thursday night, right? Yeah, any human with taste buds would love to go to (laughs) Korean barbecue or drink boba tea. Like that's not a unique Asian experience, Asian American experience. That's just in this day and age. Yeah, it's not not a personality trait. It's okay to like them. It's okay to drink boba. I just had some last night. (laughs) Like it's okay to like it, but it's it's not okay to say that you're Asian because of it. And it's that same idea of how these clubs operate, where they they only talk about these. They don't go into the nuance of what's the history of Korean barbecue, or you know what 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 do, what do we want to know about these dishes? What's the social history? It's just oh, let's just go to the Korean barbecue place, drink some soju, get flat out drunk, and have a good time. Like that's that's not enough. <laughs> it's it's appealing to the broadest 
Asian market. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the more you say it, it, it does feel like its purpose, maybe it's just not for you. Like, there That's are true. some, yeah, like, I think when, when you're talking about Jeremy, at first it was kind of like, <laughs> I don't even know, I feel bad if Jeremy listens to this I podcast. I know, I was gonna say. I don't know sir, he, he sir, like, I'm sorry, Ethan didn't want to be your friend, and now we're kind of bagging on you. I'm sorry. But I think in, like, Jeremy's, I mean, actually, I don't know, is your school full of a lot of Asians? You're talking about my high school? Yeah. There were actually, yeah, a lot of Asian American students there. Uh, East Asian mostly, and I saw a few Southeast Asian students as well. I I think my point was more so that like, Jeremy, like, I don't really know his deal is, but sometimes if you're in a, a, like at a school or something, and there's not that many Asians, sometimes it's easier to connect with another Asian at first. I can see like, that, but Jeremy had a lot of options. <laughs> okay, right. I don't know. I don't know Jeremy. Wow. But, <laughs> but I, I guess like what I'm saying too is is also like, I think connecting on identity, like just a surface level identity is okay in the beginning. Yeah. But yes, like once you move past that we established we're both Asian, Yeah, it does <laughs> like friendship needs to take a deeper level into the next level besides like, me and Ethan gets boba every Tuesday and that's the that's extent of our friendship <laughs> yeah it's like Asian that's the extent today. of yeah. our that's if that's the extent of our friendship that's like not that's not it it's not a friendship it's just an acquaintanceship yeah <laughs> unless you like intentionally don't want to be more than friends right that's the thing that's the reason I have these issues with some clubs and such as my high school club is mm. that they kind of just don't even do the bare minimum they just kind of start off there and they don't even try anymore my high school club all they did was just meet up every lunch and just watch a youtube video without even doing planning any other activities to try to get to know each other right mm. or try to do a pre- maybe even at least do a presentation on different types of asian cultures there were even yeah. white people in that club and when they were introduced they said yeah i'm actually white as paper literally one of the high school students had said that he said, I'm literally white as paper, but I'm here in this club because I want to learn more about Asian American culture. I was like, I'm not even learning anything about myself in this club. So how are you going to be able to learn anything in this club? And that's my <laughs> issue is that it's that idea that like, yeah, it's okay to kind of have small talk, be Asian and like, oh, you're Asian too. Oh my God. I never thought I'd find another Asian pe- person here. It's so nice to meet you. And then start talking. Right. But that's not where you stop. Right. Yeah. Did you want to move on to uh, this really dense article that you sent, uh, Casey, uh, from uh, Professor Melissa Pruxachart? Yeah, I would love to. So I found this really awesome academic paper uh, from this professor from the University of Michigan, uh, Professor Pruxachart, and it was relating global liberalism to specifically to Asian American movies that performed really well, uh, at least in, uh, that performed really well. Um, And that was Crazy Rich Asians and Searching. And it was really good because it uh, linked exactly this topic. And we've referenced this topic so many times over the episodes to media and Asian American media. Bobo liberalism is like limiting 
Asian Americans to not think really beyond <laughs> capitalism and neoliberalism, I think is what kind of the gist I get is right. from uh, the professor's writing. And especially when it pertains to the commercial success of those two movies, it's kind of like, like we're done with thinking about Asian Americans because he achieved really great things with these main cast members of these movies. <laughs> it's existing. like, it's, it's like, um, it's making, it's basically clowning anyone who says, well, Crazy Rich Asians came out, so racism against Asians is over now. Like, we solved it, guys. Like, it's like that, it's kind of making fun of people who kind of have that stance, right? right. Another quote that I like from this article is, in Crazy Rich Asians and Searching, the cultural politics of global liberalism are engendered through claims to racialize and traditionally gendered heteronormativity and through the cultivation of unequivocally positive attitudes towards global capitalism. Uh, so basically what the professor is saying here is that the unique stance of Crazy Rich Asians and Searching is that like the stories can flip-flop between being about race and not being about race and ultimately just not really making any big critiques on race itself or big critiques on how Asian Americans are within racial hierarchies in America or even in Singapore and crazy rich Asians. I fully recommend reading the article because yeah. I feel like Professor, um, Professor Pichart just sums up everything so beautifully but yeah it's just it's just a great place to think about how Asian American media can progress and hopefully a more positive direction right not just for East Asians not just for rich East Asians but for like Asians that we don't think about very much right and yeah. their struggles and how we can uh, rise above those struggles. Right. This article kind of sounds like it's kind of also analyzing how Asian American media can influence how Asian Americans see themselves and how global liberalism might have come because of the fact of the media that Asian Americans produce and consume simultaneously to kind of become like this reinforcing loop. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, are they saying that searching is kind of like uh, contributing to like global liberalism because of the fact that Searching is a film that doesn't really mention Asian heritage. And so they kind of treat Asianness as just something that's like kind of there without free of po political scrutiny or free of political judgment or racialized judgment. Um, it talks about Searching in a really interesting way. Yeah, it does touch upon how it, color mute, which is a term that's interesting where mm. race isn't a central concern in this in the film, which is goes back to episode zero of yeah, our podcast. Yeah. We were just talking about that, yeah. <laughs> I would say. Um, it also links like technology and Silicon Valley and like oh, how fascinating. It, it idealizes the uh, like <laughs> surveillance state so it's, it's a lot of interesting points that um are being made but it's it, it offers like the counterpoint to crazy rich asians which is yeah like 
there there is a way that like Asian American media can still perpetuate global liberalism both on both sides of the spectrum yeah so again would recommend reading this uh paper we will link it in the show notes yeah that sounds very fascinating wow definitely need to read more on that for sure it kind of makes me question this podcast (laughs) where we talk about media and not about any actual like news on Asian diaspora (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense like we're not talking about the uh deportations of cambodian americans we're not talking about that like should we, does this mean we need to pivot guys that would imply that we have to know everything about the topic and unfortunately we don't <laughs> i think that's part of it and we kind of acknowledge that you know maybe that's just like the central message for this finale is that don't listen to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> please stop listening we're disbanding don't listen to us anymore <laughs> we're disbanding this, we are canceled and acknowledge that <laughs> we've canceled ourselves because <laughs> uh. no I mean I think it's it's just so interesting because like that just brings us to a, a general discussion about activism and right where to put your energy and like am I allowed to turn my brain off if I want to watch a show that kind of like isn't really that good for female representation for example or like representation or am I or should I critique it and like not look into it at all and like especially with cyberpunk 2077 which Ethan and I were talking about right yeah just came out today it's just like, are we allowed to enjoy a game that kind of touches on techno orientalism? Season two. Like, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> so I think like it's it's okay for us to not bring up every dark, terrible thing that happens to every Asian American subgroup in every episode we do. I think it's just the important thing is how are we spending our time outside of our surface level desires and right. whatever. Like, I know, Allison, I'm going to toot your horn for you, oh, but no. you've been doing really great stuff for Chinatown in New York City, right? And like, <sighs> that's how you like to like dedicate your time to activism, right? Right. So we all have like our different passions and interests and in what we want to do to better the world. It's just making sure that yeah. we don't, limit ourselves to only being complacent Mm. if that makes sense right yeah i was going to say that i think the best thing we can do is just keep trying and also just stay stay aware right it's okay to i think i mean this this is all from a moral standpoint but it's like it's okay to consume a media that maybe you don't completely agree with Mm -hmm. but i think recognizing that you don't agree with it is the first step and to kind of help you critically analyze everything that comes in with you because ultimately you're not going to have complete control over the media that comes at you or what media you choose to consume. The thing you do have control over is how you respond to it and how you take it in. I think the reason we wanted to do this uh, podcast and just record these conversations is that I wanted to just document what it is that we talk about when we talk about Asian American media. And I always found it very fascinating, our conversations very fascinating because I always left our conversations feeling much more enlightened and much more thoughtful and reflective about the media that we consume. 
I agree. I and agree I think, that. I hope, I hope our audiences kind of feel the same way. And I think that's, that's what we wanted to try to go for in the first place is that it's okay. You know, as I said earlier in this episode, it's okay to like Boba. It's okay to go to Korean barbecue every Thursday if that's like a tradition. Yeah, that's so bad for your heart. Uh, <laughs> okay, health-wise, not okay. Uh, personal, personal fulfillment-wise, fine. And what I'm saying is that it's totally okay to like boba and all these things and enjoy the things that you enjoy when it comes to being Asian-American. The thing is, the thing that we want to encourage and we want to strive for is that it doesn't stop there. It, you just keep on keep on doing it and also think critically about it. Be able to kind of take a step back, look in the mirror and kind of take a look and see what is it that I'm doing and how is it fulfilling for me and what can I do to learn more about it, right? Mm-hmm. Engage with the curious mind rather than call it a day after just having your 32 ounces of caffeinated milk tea. I'm still salty about running on four hours of sleep today. So, <laughs> but that's, I think that's kind of just what we wanted to go for in general. Well said. Thank you. Enjoy. I think, does that sum up everything we wanted yeah, to talk about? Yeah, I think with? so. What a great way to kind of wrap up everything. Global liberalism was the perfect topic to end everything. Yeah, very <laughs> thematically um, relevant. Ethan, try to cut right, this into yeah. 30 minutes though. Yeah, I'll see. I don't know how long this recording is, but um, so with all that said, thank you for joining us on this episode on Boba Liberalism. And if you actually watch, listens to our other episodes, thank you for joining us this entire season. I can't believe we all made it here to this point where we could say that we have completed a full season of a podcast. What have we become? Oh my god. We give ourselves a pat on the back. The back. Uh, Casey's giving us all the emojis right now in the Zoom. <laughs> Incredible. I can't believe we've made this journey. It's been a lot of fun. Do you have any like reflective thoughts or anything about this entire season that you kind of want to wrap everything up or anything? Just you can even just say, I love this. I love this show. <laughs> anything. Oh, you're trying to us? Yeah, I'm talking to you too. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, what was the question? Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> at thank you enjoy pod and we also have a spotify that you should follow ty enjoy pod i think on spotify yes and then we're also on twitter ty enjoy pod on twitter (laughs) make sure you follow us on all those social channels i would say instagram is your best bet for the latest updates and also please email us or dm us with any questions concerns suggestions for season two Yes, definitely. We're taking suggestions for season two. We don't know when it will start, but we're going to start working on it maybe after the holiday break. For sure, after the and holiday break. <laughs> our email address is thankyouenjoypod at gmail.com. So be sure to contact us there. And it's been a fun journey. Shout out to everyone who provided music for the show. Ethan Lee, our very own Ethan Lee, made music Thank for you. the show. Ethan Chong, yeah, wrote the themes for our first initial themes. We also had Metal Lettuce, who wrote our themes for the yeah. Thank You To Go episodes. Great stuff. And um, thank you to Chuff for our beautiful logo. Like It's the best so logo fire. ever. It's perfectly so captured our vision. As long as there's Asian media around, we have plenty to work with. And there's, there's, we have a lot more planned and a lot more that we don't know have planned in the future, which will be very exciting for how I how we're gonna see this show grow from here on out. But yeah. season one, the close of a chapter right there. If any influencers wanna hit us up, 
we are open to partnerships. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that will be all. If you don't have any other final thoughts, then I will go ahead and close out. Thank you for tuning in this season. Thank you for tuning in this episode. Thank you so much to all the listeners out there for supporting us our very first season, our very first podcast. It's very new uncharted territory for us. So we're really happy you guys stuck with us for the ride. And we hope you learned something out of it. So for the last time for season one, thank you for listening to Thank You Enjoy and we hope you enjoyed it. This episode of Thank You Enjoy was produced by Casey Lee, audio mixed and edited by Ethan Lee, graphic and logo design by Chris Kim, on Instagram at Chuffamation, and intro and outro music by yours truly, Ethan Lee.